a hot summer day. Are you thirsty? Have no fear. We've just restocked goat blood at your local blood store. Only $6.66. Goat blood is the goat. This message was approved by Kinder Guys Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another Kinder Guys Podcast. Today we have the Teens of Screenager Productions, Sean Okimoto, Jack McDermott, they're both 19 years old, and Ethan Gomez-Zanley, um, who is 18. Their film and television production and distribution collation and released their first feature, Satan's Servant, currently streaming on Tubi and Amazon Prime. Yeah, I love the conversation with Sean, Jack, and Ethan. Hearing them talk about their passion for uplifting young filmmakers and diverse filmmakers was really great. And I love the dynamic that they have. I'm so excited to see how they're going to shape the future of filmmaking and horror. This, I believe that this podcast or episode will really help you out um, because they give like some insight about a lot of things, um, especially with working with many people because there's there's three of them so they have all the, they have to combine all their ideas together and create one big film and I thought it was like really cool how they had that type of chemistry with each other. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and goodbye. Entered Kindergeist, a horror podcast for kids and ghouls. <laughs> I'm Jack. I was the co-director of Satan's Servant. I also wrote it and did like a billion other jobs, just like these two. In terms of screenager productions in general, I'm in charge of like developing stuff, but we don't have super formal titles. So we all really just like work together pretty well. I'm Ethan. I was uh, one of the co-directors on Satan's Servant. Uh, I also helped out with producing and editing and just kind of the whole general production as everyone kind of did. And for Screenager, yeah, just kind of one of the creators and runners of that whole production. Yeah. And uh, my name's Sean. I'm the star of the movie, I guess, and or one of the co-stars, really. And um, I did all the music for the soundtrack. Like they said, Screenager Productions, I'm kind of just, if there's a skill that I have that can be useful, I will try and apply it to uh, our movie making process. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Thank you so much for introducing you guys self. And I think you would like to ask some questions first. Oh, yeah. So uh, when I was on Twitter, actually, this is for Jack. I saw that you were you hanging out with Michael Bay. Yes. So um, for some context, his new movie Ambulance has been like my most anticipated movie of the year for a while because that trailer just looks amazing. And then yesterday around noon, I saw this tweet saying there was a screening of Ambulance with a Michael Bay Q&A happening at like Universal at six. And they had like a standby line. So I, I got some friends together. We went over. It was the movie was incredible. I could talk about that for like an hour, but um, absolutely loved the movie. And then he did like a 90 minute Q&A afterwards and hung out and like took pictures with everyone. I told him about Satan's Servant. He was very into it. And yeah, no, just really cool guy. Um, way smarter than I expected. Like, you know, like he makes like a lot of like just like action movies, but he's like a really thoughtful the guy. Director of the Transformers movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say about a uh, Satan's Servant towards him? I'm so curious. 
Well, yeah, I sort of just like described the project to him and actually talked to him about our follow-up project, which we can talk a little more about later. But um, I was sort of telling him about that and like how um, like watching Ambulance and like, because Ambulance, it's a very stylized film and sort of like how like watching Ambulance had inspired me to like think a little differently about like how we were going to approach like our, like the cinematic style for our follow-up. That's so awesome. That must have been like a really surreal experience. It was insane. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Going back to uh, Satan's Servant. I I remember when I first heard about it through Fangoria, um, like Phil did like an interview with you guys. Um, So yeah, like what's the story on like how that happened? Let's see, just the Fangoria article in general or the whole movie? Oh, just the Fangoria. I think about like when we started working on Satan's Servant, I was again like really into horror. And so I signed up for a Fangoria subscription. And actually, if you like look back, I think it's in the um, Kong versus Godzilla article, you can see a little ad for Satan's Servant in the classifieds there. But so I was like really into Fangoria. And then um, when we were like getting ready to release Satan's Servant, I think me and Ethan came up with like a list of like a bunch of like press people that we wanted to try to like send emails to and see if they'd be interested in reviewing the film or interviewing us. And so we made like a big long list, sent off a bunch of emails, didn't get, I don't think we got any responses initially, right, Ethan? Uh, Yeah, it took a little bit for some people to respond, but we eventually did. Mm -hmm. But then I was able to guess, um, fill the editor's email, um, like his like personal email. And from that, um, he like sent me back an email that's like putting on the movie tonight, like um, popping some popcorn or whatever. He like tweeted about it and interviewed me and it was it was just a really awesome experience like it was very surreal for sure i was just with my family i just got a text from jack that he like guessed someone he guessed phil's email and we're getting an article because of that it was just such a random like super exciting which is way of getting attention it was really yeah it was super cool props to jack for guessing the email no, yeah, like, I I just want to jump in and say, like, you guys don't really sort of mention it in your official job titles or anything, but you guys also handled pretty much all of our press stuff and all of our, you know, you've talked to all these magazines and film festivals and reached out, and I think the only reason Satan Servant was able to make, you know, as big a splash as it did um, was as a result of you guys sort of making an effort to, I don't know, put put Satan Servant in our, in our media. That's super clever because um, I remember reading things that would be like, try to guess people's emails when you're applying for internships. And the fact that like you just thought of doing that and the and then Phil like responded is amazing, which I'm sure you can see now. Like Phil is such like an awesome like champion for like younger, like people who are trying to break in. So such a it's like a Cinderella story to me. Like it's so it's a beautiful Cinderella story. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely says like a lot about Phil as much like as it does about like our work guessing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For screenagers, can you tell us like how like the company came about? That, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. So me and Sean went to middle school together for our like in eighth grade, like as like a capstone project for um, middle school, we had to do something called like a masterwork, which was like, you had to spend 50 hours doing something. I don't know about you, Sean, but like, I'd always wanted to like make a movie. And so we decided like together, we could like co-direct a short film and see how it went. And Sean did the music. It, it's, it has a great music overall <laughs> film, not the best, but yeah, we made that together. And then I think the long running story of screen age productions has been, Jack is really passionate and has this idea and is really going to 
you know, do all the work to get this sort of film put together. And Sean has skills that may be helpful. So he will also be there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I can't like the fact that it happened in middle school too. Like that's uh, Zakia's in eighth grade right now. Yeah, that's crazy. After doing it, like after making our first short film, I don't know, at least I really enjoyed it. I was able to like continue like talking our crew into like keep making short films with us. And like we had like an expanding list and like, then in high school, we met Ethan and he was like also super into movies and had been making some stuff. So we sort of did like a little merger there and yeah. that's how we got to today. Yeah. And how did the, like, how did you choose the name Screenagers? That's a funny story. I think Sean, I think it might've been you who came up with it, right? Or So that was, yeah. we watched in also in middle school, <laughs> we watched um, the documentary Screenagers, which is about um, sort of, our generation, sorry about the music over there, um, which is about our generation's like um, sort of obsession with screens and sort of how we grew up in the digital age and how it's sort of becoming this uh, like pandemic. And as middle schoolers, we felt a little like, I don't know, like a little sort of, I don't want to say target, but just a little like kind of defensive about our screens. We're kind of like, hey, like don't call us screenagers. Um, so by calling ourselves screenager productions, we were kind of, we're reclaiming that term and sort of um, just, it seemed appropriate, like for our sort of generation, if we we're going to be teen and young kid, young filmmakers, we are the screenager generation. So it just kind of seemed like it made sense. No, I love that. It makes me think of like, are there any other like uh, unfair projections that people put on y- your generation that you also feel like is uh, incorrect? Oh, yeah, that's that's a good question. With I mean, definitely mostly with technology i think and phil talked about this a little bit how like he and like other people view like kind of our generation just leaning into the whole like social media aside of like like of like content creators like less film more just making like tiktoks and stuff and youtube youtubers and well that's definitely like true we know there's a lot of people our age out there that want to create movies you know make stuff like Satan's servant. So, I mean, our whole thing is that we want to like, they're, you know, films about teenagers made by teenagers. Mm-hmm. Adding on to that, I think a lot of people like sort of assume like our generation interacts with technology, like all the same way. Anyone who knows like a bunch of people already knows it can be very different for different people. And like some people like really into TikTok, other people like online chess, Reddit boards and stuff. It just like really depends. And so we sort of want to show like a bunch of like different experiences going on in relation to that technology. Yeah. Amen. Beautifully said. I just want to like, um, well, I kind of want to talk about the movie now. Not going to lie. What did you think of the movie? (laughs) Okay. So I first watched it. Well, like I watched it last weekend and I thought it was like a really good film and like, oh, there's a story. I have a story. So my aunt sent me like where to watch it and I watched it on Tubi and my I asked my dad to download the app. So he checked out the movie, you guys' movie, Satan Servant, and he was like, is this appropriate for kids? And I was like, yeah, it is. Like, why would I, inter- like, why would we interview people and like talk about a movie that is not appropriate for kids? Because this is like a kind of a kid's podcast. And then he was like debating if like he should let me watch the movie because he's unsure. And I was like, trust me. And then, yeah, that's what happened. And he was like, 
how was the movie? And I was like, there was nothing wrong about it. Like, don't worry. There's no inappropriate things going on. I think he was just concerned. Was it like the the drugs and alcohol that he was worried about? Was he worried about the violence? Like what was... No, it's like, you know, the internet, because there's certain things that you can just see. And he's unsure if there's like any sexual stuff that was going on and or if it was too scary. I get this a lot by like adults, but I'm apparently too mature for my age. So I guess I can handle anything. Um, so even if it's like anything, I don't really care, to be honest. It's, it was a really good movie though, just overall. Anytime a parent sees uh, Satan in anything, they get worried. (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) Especially my mom too. It's like, I'll be fine. It's like some devil whisper homework there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's uh, thematically appropriate. Sorry, go ahead. So I wanted to talk about the ski mask man alien. Is is it actually an alien? Was it because like, you know how the scenes where he would get uh, with a knife, stabbed with a knife and stuff like that, like black stuff was coming out or black blood. I'm not sure if it was an alien or some other like creature. That's a very good question. Um, I'm going to be totally honest with you, at least when we were making the film, like we didn't really know what exactly he was. Like we just thought it would look really cool if there was like a guy wearing a ski mask who had like black voids behind his eyes. Like when we were like designing him, I think we always wanted him to feel like vaguely human. Like maybe he was like um, some sort of like, uh, like a person who'd like sold his soul to the devil or something like lost, like what makes him him. And now like his body just works to like serve the devil. But I don't think we ever fully um, explored that. And like, there were times when we were talking about doing a sequel where we'd explore it a bit more, but I, th- I think it's kind of cool how it like doesn't really get explained. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was uh, thinking. I was like, Oh, if there was going to be saying servant part two, are we going to like know the origin story? Uh, my mom, like she had walked by when I was watching it and she just glanced and she was like, Oh, is that Jason from Friday 13th? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, it has that energy. So I was yeah wondering if there if there was an interest to go into the lore of of the ski mask man. I was just gonna say that Jason was definitely an inspiration. We definitely kind of wanted to keep it vague. We just we we wanted to make it clear with the black blood that it wasn't human. You know, we wanted to make it clear that it was just kind of a some sort of satanic entity that you know not from our world. We didn't even give him an official name, like until they were yeah. making the credits, oh. and they were like, "What do we, what do we call Ski Mask Man?" Like we've just been calling it Ski Mask Man this whole production. We ended up switching it to the Devil's Butcher, but uh, he's always Ski Mask Man in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to know if you guys were going to make a second movie because at the end it kind of gave me like a what's going to happen next, you know, with the whole present thing that she got. And then, so do you guys think you guys will make another movie or is it just a cliffhanger? Well, I I think it would be really, really fun to make a second movie because like we definitely did like think about like where we'd go with it. And I think there's like some really fun ideas. The problem is like one of the main reasons we were able to make Satan Servant was because like the pandemic like meant our senior year of high school was super easy. So we had like a ton of free time to just like go make a movie. But now we're all in college. Like we have a lot more like, commitments and responsibilities and so i don't think we'd be able to fully make a sequel anytime soon but we definitely do have ideas that would be fun to explore either in a sequel or in like another project down the road 
Yeah, if you do guys decide to make another one, I'd be excited to see it. I'm glad, yeah. Also, I wanted to, like, talk about the... What are those called? Like, the script. Because you guys use a lot of terms of, like, Gen Z type of, like, things. And I was kind of, like... To be honest, I was I was thinking about my, if my grade or my or generation really talks like that because I don't know. We're like all four of us are Gen Z and my aunt is the only one who's a millennial. So cuz you guys use sus a lot and <laughs> we used sus before Among Us made it popular though. <laughs> yeah, that was before Among oh Us. But yeah, I was just like what is this script? I do you guys who made it? I just wanted to know. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be responsible for that. Um, but oh. I will say, so here's the thing. I feel like it's pretty accurate, at least to how like teenagers in the Bay area talk, um, especially the character of Tyler. I think I really modeled that after Sean and like that role was like written for him, like from day one, his vocabulary was definitely like pretty similar to like his actual vocabulary, at least to, to my knowledge. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that, Sean. Yeah, I was actually I'm so so curious as to how this movie sort of reads to um other kids our age. Like, does it because I know oh, you watch a Netflix original, you watch a movie where they like it's like, oh, they tried to be they tried to be like hip and like with with it, and they just missed by a couple of years because production started way back here and the movie came out here. Yeah, I'm just so curious. Like, did that like how did it come off to you? as a current eighth grader like how did that did it feel like sort of natural did it feel like you were just did it feel different from other movies too like well to be honest like when i was watching the movie and the words were kind of like well probably it's it goes along with acting not saying that you guys acting was like interesting it was actually really good i think like hold nothing the, back like yeah please <laughs> I think we will not be offended like, <laughs> it was like no but i think compared to other films um you guys played it off really well um the certain words that like gen z would use but i liked how you guys incorporated those type of words and how older movies would just not really incorporate those like words into their script but i'm not sure that's my opinion um i mean other people can say another whole thing but yeah do you think if you were writing it you would have like used like a different vocabulary sort of like do you think your friends talk differently from how like the characters do my friends are interesting so i don't know (laughs) like their vocabulary is not really like how it was used in the movie but a lot of like my classmates and stuff have used the vocabulary in the film um i would probably use different words but i mean it was it was a different time when you guys made it i guess sort of but we still use the those words so i guess it's not that big of a deal (laughs) but it does seem like it's um because you mentioned uh location might be a big play in it like bay area is very different from la kind of slang in some ways Uh, it's funny because um Zakia gives her mom a hard time, who is also millennial, that when she tries to use Gen Z lingo, she'll be like, oh, that was sus. Zakia's like, ew, don't don't say those words like you're too old. It's so <laughs> bad. It's so I hate when like millennial tries to be like, oh, my gosh, you're so sus. And I'm like, do you even know what that means? Or like 
my dad one time asked me, like, are you pushing P? And I was like, do you even know what that means? Like, why? Even my volleyball coach, who was like, are you pushing P? In, like, the group chat. And he, we're like, what are you talking? Like, why? And it was like, it's so, I don't know. It's so cringy. It's a major ick and red flag. No, thank you. It's, it's interesting that you brought up kind of Bay Area lingo. Because when we originally were... Um, like making it we kind of just planned it to be kind of like our short films like kind of for our like bay area community like we didn't really intend for it to kind of be as widespread as it ended up being so that definitely is probably also like a factor like we kind of wanted we wanted to make it for our like friends and family yeah and that's what i loved about the film is that you really get a sense of that it it, it felt like this was well to begin with it was made by like a group of friends and family seem to play such a huge role in its creation. Yeah. Like it very clearly reads into that. I, I love the, your performance in it, Sean. Like I'm wondering if you're like trying to pursue acting, you know, that would be cool and um, sort of appropriate <laughs> thematically, but I'm actually, I'm a psychology major here at Santa Cruz. I have not pursued much acting um, after this. I will probably be showing up here and there in other screenager productions for sure. Unfortunately, no, I, I think that role happened to work out because like Jack said, he wrote it very much with me in mind. That role was very much, was very much Sean going on set and being Sean and everyone else is acting. So, um, no, unfortunately no further career in acting so far, unless, uh, you know, until I get discovered by some big studio exec. Mm-hmm. Sean, HBO's Sean. Come calling. Yeah. Sean will return in future screen productions for Season sure. Four yeah. euphoria or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, like psychology is highly connected to performing. So you, I'm curious if, yeah, like what company might be like, hey, we want you. And you're like, I'm trying to pursue psychology, guys. Stop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you should say performing. I am closely tied to the performing arts, I guess. I've played instruments and made music from a very young age. And um, I'll still perform. I'll sing and play guitar here at Santa Cruz when we do our little open mics. So maybe no acting. but That's cool. Uh, Still performing arts, I guess. Who's your favorite artist? Loaded question. Like individual like, artists? Well, just like any. It doesn't really matter. Just like can be anyone. I'll talk about um, for the soundtrack of Satan's Servant, one of the really sort of big inspirations I had was um, I was sort of getting really into hyper pop. I don't know if that means anything to you guys. Like, um, you know, Charlie XCX or sort of started it and you've got 100 Gex, obviously, and you've got all these like it's basically, um, you know, just really um, over the top sort of electronic pop music. I was listening to a lot of 100 Gex and a lot of um, this really small artist called Alice Gas <laughs> while I was making the soundtrack. And so that's, you get all these big like bass things and that's sort of why. <laughs> it makes sense now, like connecting like Hyperpop with the soundtrack, which actually makes me think because I was watching it with subtitles on because I'm a subtitle person. I felt like I wondered who did the subtitles too, because that's also like an underappreciated art because it would say like on the part, it would be like stab with the exclamation point. And then, um, and then in the music, it was like monster bass. Like, <laughs> that was, that was me and Jack. That's, yeah. Yeah. We, we wrote all the subtitles together. <laughs> Gotta have some fun with it. <laughs> of course. Another one of those sort of job titles that falls to Ethan and Jack, that they don't even talk about that. Like, is literally like Ethan and Jack running, like keeping this whole show together. 
Yeah, that's a good point, because I noticed um, not only are you both co-directors on the project, but you like co-DP then edited, which is like such a huge undertaking. Can you talk about like how to how you guys keep that relationship like flowing with so much going on? Yeah, it was I think a large factor was because it was during like kind of the height of COVID. Um, We wanted to keep our crew really small. We didn't want to like be exposing like too many different bubbles and we wanted to kind of really collaborate on the project like we had with short films and stuff. So it just kind of made sense that we would just kind of take that weight upon ourselves, but learning how to like co-direct on a big feature like this was an interesting task. Cause we didn't really, we had ideas about how to approach it before that we started shooting. But when we actually got on set, it was interesting because we kind of just like found our little like niche roles within the large role that is directing. So we were able to like do our own thing and then we'd like come together where we needed to. Yeah. Sort of like adding to that. I think like one thing that I hadn't really realized at the time, but really made the production work so smoothly is because like both like either me or Ethan could do like most of the like roles, like whether it was DP. So like, for example, there were some times where we were missing the actor to play the devil's butcher on set. So then I would be like the stand in for him for those scenes. And then like, usually I'd be holding the camera, but then at that point, like it would be Ethan holding the camera and like the fact that we could just like switch out like that, like who was holding the camera and doing what at like different times, I think is one of the main reasons we were able to like ever finish the production. Cause we definitely had to go very fast while filming it. We, we, um, kind of had the production be very guerrilla to make it easy for us. Like, you know, we had, we shot with the uh, camera just on a gimbal almost the entire time. And we had a bunch of like portable lights that we could just kind of like stick on random surfaces that were really useful and just saved us so much time setting up. Oh, wow. That's like so admirable because like the the film itself is really great. But then to learn about the behind the scenes is even more of a thing. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys are fans of the Evil Dead, but that's what I think of. Like, you know, the whole story of like how crazy that behind the scenes set was and like Bruce Campbell was doing camera and like, (laughs) I'm like, wow. So it makes me, yeah, the same, like a family kind of friendship oriented kind of filmmaking. Um, on that note, like, I'm curious to hear, how do you handle, like, with all these co like positions, like, how do you handle disagreements and like come to it together again? That was definitely something we had to like work on, like during the shoot. Cause it was like a very big project. And like, in general, I think we did like a really good job. Like we had like many months in pre-production where we, we planned the whole shootout, like very in like great detail. Um, but like inevitably like disagreements did come up and when they did, like, it was like a high pressure shoot. Like we had like, this was like our biggest shoot by far. And so there was definitely a lot of pressure and like, we definitely did get in some disagreements, but like when we did, we would always just like talk about it afterwards and like figure it out. And then we would like adjust our plans going forward to really like make sure that like they wouldn't happen again. Or like if they did, we would be able to like handle them in a smoother way. Yeah. They were very civil. Yeah. We, 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 we had our disagreements, but, um, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too crazy because we had worked, we'd been in pre-production for like almost a year. So we had everything pretty meticulously planned. Um, but I mean, when we did have disagreements, it was, we, we would kind of find middle ground or kind of uh, base it off of like uh, the, how the rest of the crew was doing that night and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, it sounds like um yeah, preparation and trust is a huge part of it, which is a uh, it's I'm always like uh so impressed with people who co-direct together because it you really need to have like a whole nother maturity level to be able to take that. Not only because you're you're younger, but I mean that in the sense of like adults have a hard time working with each other in general. So that's uh, really great to hear. I have a question that has nothing to do with whatever we're talking about right now. <laughs> it has nothing to do with like horror or anything whatsoever. Is it okay if I ask it? Okay. Do you guys like Frank Ocean? Yeah. He's cool. You guys do? What about Tyler, the creator? I was at his concert last night. You're kidding. I was. <laughs> I'm kicking you out of this podcast. This is not <laughs> fair. This is not fair. Wait, how much were the tickets? I couldn't even go. It was too expensive. Was it worth it, though? I bet it was worth it. It was probably, yeah, it was worth it. That was cool. I don't like that. He got his Snapchat <laughs> story in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, like some of my friends went and I was like, like, bro, you didn't even take me. So unfair. That's messed up. I'll do, I know, right? Like, I literally saw on all their stories, like, at a Tyler concert, and I was like, bro. And my dad was like, oh, my God, we should go. And I was like, I want to go. And my mom was like, no, it's not worth it. And I was like, I would pay two, $500 to go watch him because I literally, he's like, he's like my heart and soul and my everything. Anyways. Understandably. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. You should go. You know what? I know. Guys, everyone say Zakia should go to the fr- to a Frank Ocean concert so I can go. So they can, it can be... Com- uh, they, uh, I can't put this into words. So you want us to basically peer pressure your mom into letting you... Exactly. Go- exactly. That's that's my <laughs> Yeah. You'd be like, Zakia should on go to Frank the Ocean. Production cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Say it right now. Go. Uh, on behalf of the Screenager Productions crew, let your daughter go see Frank Ocean. The kid needs to see Frank Ocean. Amen. Thank you. Crucial. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, back to the whole. So I want to do real estate when I'm older, and I realized that the house was a. A very nice house. Like, where was that shot? Where I, I want to know. Like, the view was everything too. Like, yeah, that was my house. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, I think all of our houses are in yeah. the movie at some point. Yeah, no, the main house in the movie—that's my house. Um, we had to redecorate it a bit. Um, which was my first experience with production design, which was very, very fun. But yeah, no, that's my house, Kensington, California. Great spot to get a house if you if you can. Mm. You know, highly recommend. If you it. got a, you know, cool. 1.6 million just sitting around you're not doing anything with sean's house is the basement where um they find that's, jane uh, and then my house is at the very end of the film that's so cool like honestly it kind of played a big part in the movie because i don't know i was just fascinated by everything in the house oh that about i was just gonna say balcony is super dope you got a nice view and also oh, it's yeah. very crucial to our films uh Sort of climactic yeah. moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, when, many when things are off that balcony for the sake of film. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. actually the second movie where something's been thrown off that balcony in a satanic context. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was writing it, like I was definitely trying to like design a screenplay that was like centered around like a bunch of houses, so that like we'd be able to like film it with like what we had access to, which was like our houses and like our elementary school, basically. So it was definitely very intentional that like those were like the main settings. 
Yeah, because like on that note, um, the guy, uh, the actor who plays Brian, I, I had watched... <laughs> So it's funny. So I was watching some of your shorts before I watched Satan Servant. And then I was like, why does he look familiar? Oh, he's the he's the guy, the prick that lost his dick. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was such a funny movie with like, um, because like the whole purpose, you know, like uh, the teen, the male teen who wakes up in a female's body. And um, specifically, also, I love that um, it was like uh, raising awareness towards um like uh, menstrual products that are unavailable in like different parts of the world so can you talk about like especially being like men what made you uh be interested in like uh, bringing light to such like an important like topic like this which is really awesome yeah so that would mostly be me because i think sean you helped a bit with the pre-production i think ethan you were like out of town when we were filming that um yeah i was there for like post a bit I don't remember exactly um, how I got like the idea for that movie, but um, basically like I was, I, I was not, I was not expecting a prickolostic question. Um, let's see. <laughs> After the announcement of the sequel too. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was it about? I'm unsure. As you gather your thoughts. It's about like this guy. Um, he, he's kind of like a douchey, like bro. Um, he like starts off the movie by like cat calling a girl and then um, he like has like this nightmare, basically, where he has like a woman's body. He he has like his first period and stuff. And it's all it's all framed. It's sort of shot like a horror movie where he's just like experiencing all this stuff. And it's very traumatic. And then like he wakes up and in a very unsubtle way, um, apologizes for being like a douchey bro at the beginning. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like I've always sort of like. Um, wanted to like tell stories about like issues that like didn't like directly relate to me and like sort of like tell stories that aren't just about like what like me as like a white dude like experience all the time and so this was sort of like one of my first steps into that and sort of like taking like a bit of like a horror angle to like approach it from like this like really like douchey bros perspective I thought would firstly like be really funny and then um, also yeah that was sort of like the first time where we um, connected it to a social cause we did like realize like as like a bunch of like dudes like making a film about like someone like having a period and stuff like we should be like sort of like conscious about how we're approaching it and so we like did some research and like found this organization that provides um yeah like menstrual products and stuff to people who don't really have access to them and that was sort of a way we approached it because we'd always been trying to like find ways to like do innovative things with like how we like make money from the films and so we felt like with this one we could use it to like actually do some good and like that would also help like boost the message of the film through its um distribution and we actually did something similar with satan servant where we're we're donating like i think about 15 percent of its earnings to the equal justice initiative and i think that's something definitely we want to like keep going with screenager productions like as we move forward the uh the prick who lost his dick would have been a very different movie um if it was just haha periods funny like <laughs> <laughs> And I think we don't necessarily make huge amounts off the movies, but I think we feel like if we are going to be profiting from these things, it might as well be going towards something good because Lord knows we don't need the extra 50 cents a month from Amazon in our, <laughs> our pockets. No, that's what um, I really admire that um, you're so aware of that and like the privilege that you have in like giving back already at this, um, this stage in your career. So like, 
Uh, yeah, that, that makes me think of like, you said you're planning to continue that, like you, you said you're working, you're all working on like the next feature or. Yeah, we're, we're working on a little, um, I don't want to say too much about it right now. Cause like, it's in like very early development stages, but it's sort of, um, an anthology film, like an anthology feature based around like college in a way that I'm not going to entirely give away, but we're like working with um, a lot of other like young horror filmmakers um, from around the country to sort of like make a horror anthology that's all related to like the college experience. To add on, it's um, our goal for our next project is just kind of expand the amount of voices we can have on a film um, and get like kind of uh, more diverse voices than just the several people that work on the screenager productions previously. No, I'm super excited now. We, we had like our first pitches to like earlier today and they're, they're really good. So excited to see young filmmakers from around the country, uh, sort of just do what we did and show it to us and be like, mm -hmm. Hey, can you produce this for us? Mm -hmm. We yeah. might need some music from you, Sean. Yeah. Like it'll be huge. <laughs> no, so it's like people all over the, the, the like us, or are you opening up to like different countries like how wide are you worldwide is screenagers going we got someone uh, from scotland yeah we have someone from scotland so i guess technically international mm -hmm. okay i love that <laughs> very technically <laughs> yeah like is there a release date or just kind of like seeing how the flow goes first it, this is like very very like early pre-production like um but we're aiming for like probably fall 2023-ish release, but who knows? Like, you know, Satan Servant took a very long time. Like this one will probably take longer because it is like there's like so many different like moving parts to it. Um yeah, no, it, it started kind of just like as an idea of like we felt like by making like a feature, like we were able to get like an, a lot more attention than we were like ever with our shorts. Um and so we feel like if we make like a feature comprised of like shorts from like people in film school, like all around the country and world, like that'll help them get like some more like attention and um, mm -hmm. like help boost their careers as well as like making like connections between like all these young horror filmmakers. So they'll be very this, beneficial. This summer we're uh, tentatively planning on um, starting fundraising for the project uh, to kind of get its uh, feet off the ground. Oh, yay. Uh, yeah, I'll keep the lookout on it. And they'll like share it and contribute. Because this, yeah, this is like a Kindergeist exclusive. Uh, <laughs> exclusive. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be um, on that note, like your dream collaborators? I mean, at least for me, like in terms of like young people that I'd want to work with, I feel like we kind of like got everyone that we talked to and like everyone was like super interested. So I don't think we're going to announce exactly who that is yet, but like in general, like as far as like an older, like sort of producer figure, something to help out one day, like I really want to work with Chris Landon. I think like what he's done, especially like telling stories about young people in like a pretty good way. Like I feel like with like freaky and everything, like I would, I would love to make a movie with him one day. That'd be awesome. Honestly, it's hard to think of. There's a lot of names popping into my head. I guess for like a like a feature project or something. I mean, uh, I've been thinking a lot about Robert Eggers since his new movie is coming out uh, this month. So he would be super cool to collaborate with. I'd love to like work with that guy's brain. I mean, it'd be super cool. I honestly, I think just 
for my own personal opinion, um, Ethan and Jackie are going to be doing a lot of the actually working with these people and collaborating. So it's going to be more of a down problem than me. But I think the dream collaborator is just other kids like us. I think the dream collaborator is just kids who are equally as passionate and focused and like want to, you know, like not to toot our own horns or anything, but like, I think the dream collaborator is other kids like us who are just trying to bake something, just trying to also build something. We'll uh, sort of connect sort of the most on an immediate level with kids who are just our age who are also young filmmakers trying to do what Ethan and Jack have been doing. Yeah, I love that. A good, like three very different answers. That would be awesome to see. Um, I just wanted to know if you guys like Stranger Things because I have something to tell you guys after, but do you guys like Stranger Things? Definitely. Yeah. I was going to say, I would say that's like loosely inspirational in some way for Satan's Servant, just, you know, in terms of having like young actors playing uh, young characters and like having Absolutely. stories revolve around uh, young people. I actually saw Finn Wolfhard at The Grove the other day. And I did. And I was in denial like the whole time. And my friend, I was with my friend Layla. And okay, if Layla, if you're listening to this, hi. But I was in denial the whole time and his hair was dyed. So I was not sure if it was actually him. And so she took a picture of him. She didn't even ask because it was so awkward. And we actually walked into Aritzia because he walked into Aritzia. And like, we were just walking behind him and he's with like his friend or something. And I was like, nah, that's not him because his hair wouldn't be dyed. And I'm not really a big fan of like Finn Wolfhard. So I don't know what he's doing with his life. Like she was freaking out and she was like, oh my gosh, can I take a picture with him? And then she was like all like in denial after that. But hold on, let me see if I can find the photo of him. Like it's so, I was like, are you sure that's him? Like here, I don't know if you guys can see it. Oh my goodness. I recognize his nose. <laughs> I was going to say the nose. Yeah, is exactly. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was actually him. And his friend kept on looking at me like something was wrong with me. I guess it's like kind of weird for like, like teenage girls to just be walking around him. And surprisingly, he had no fans go around him, especially like where all the girl, like ladies were at in the store. I was just like debating if it was actually him because no one was going up to him. Like, what if it was a random person? And then you're like, oh, never mind. He's got like, a very like, uh, similar house. Yeah. <laughs> you either have a picture of Finn Wolfhard or a picture of someone who looks very much like Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> and uh, not to get too philosophical, but I think those are pretty much the same thing. <laughs> but yeah. And lastly, okay, so since you guys, Satan Servant is a horror film, as everyone knows. Um, so what are your gateways to horror? Like, what are some gateway horrors? horror films like would you recommend to young viewers that's a really good question that's so tough <laughs> let's see i have one that i saw pretty recently um vampires versus the bronx it's on netflix um it's like a pg-13 movie about like a group of kids going up against vampires and it is just absolutely delightful i think that's that's probably the best gateway horror film I've seen recently. Like, but also with school, I haven't had time to watch as many horror movies as I like to. So there's probably more out there. To be honest, I would say I kind of have two options on my mind. I recently watched Freaky and I think that's a pretty good gateway film just because it's like most young people will see Freaky Friday at some point in their life. So it's just kind of like the next step. And then it kind of, you know, lead you into more like slasher stuff, that or like Stranger Things. Like it's not, it, it appeals to like a lot of younger kids, like my uh, younger brother and sister, like love it. And it's like helping them 
kind of like evolve into like liking more horror stuff so um i would say in terms of uh just sort of rounding out a classic horror moviecation i would be remiss without mentioning the sort of black exploitation era of horror movies from the 70s um where you got these like sort of uh black parodies of you know uh white horror films like dr black and mr hyde and uh blackula <laughs> so i think those are sort of goofy enough that they're not like actually scary. And it's a really good way to just sort of experience um, some classic horror and learn some things about a uh, sort of, I don't know, like horror tropes and horror uh, cliches and stereotypes that have existed for years now. Yeah. Those are all like super great recommendations. Like, and thinking about like seeing freaky Friday and freaky as like a double feature is really interesting. Um, and hearing your answers too, it's like a, it, makes me think about screenagers as a whole, like being a focus on like uh, youth and uh, diverse and like all of that coming together just by the way that you all gave your selections. Um, so we're going to wrap to like wrap up at today's episode, actually. So is there anyone like anything you guys want to plug? Let's see. Um, well, Satan Servant um, now <laughs> streaming on Amazon Prime and Tubi, Tubi. TV. Um, you know, in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, I think maybe Mexico too. I'm not sure about Mexico, but you know, it's out there. We've been putting a lot of effort into like getting it on as many platforms as we can and hopefully more coming in the future. But we spent like a while working on Satan Servant. So if you got 84 minutes, definitely please go check that out and keep an eye out for what we're working on next. Follow the Screenager Instagram at Screenager Films. There'll be lots of updates coming in the future for future projects. So be on the lookout. Yeah, up and coming directors, uh, Jack and Ethan, keep a keep an eye out for those names. You're gonna see them on the, uh, the Oscar marquee or something someday. So yes, <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, thank you guys so much for speaking with us today, and I hope you guys have a re- great rest of your day. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much for awesome. yeah. 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 This was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was such a pleasure having you guys again. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Subscribe to this and add us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Just search up Kinderguys Podcast. And remember, you are loved, you're a baddie, and remember to always live on the fright side. Bye. Major bag alert, major bag alert.